0: Hey friends, a couple of weeks back we had uh, Bishop Meritus Hua Yung and today we actually have his brother, uh, uh, Reverend Hua Jian, with us uh, this morning. He is bringing the message uh, on behalf of the MSF uh, to us. I leave it to you to decide who is the elder and who is the younger. Uh, He's also brought with him today, Shi Yong, his uh, faithful wife of whom he has been away from the last two weeks, I think, gallivanting all around KL. Uh, Reverend Hua Jian has always been someone who has been in front of many of us younger pastors. We always call him the super senior. Uh, The MSFs always joke amongst themselves that their memory is slowly uh, fading. Uh, He is uh, always reminding them, mine is still functioning. And he is always there as one person who reminds us, the younger folks, of the history and the uh, depth of what we have encountered throughout our faith in the Methodist Church. And I'm truly thankful to him uh, because he gives us a sense of the depth and the deepness with which God has worked uh, with us. Uh, He's still a pastor I look up to. Uh, We just spent the last three days together down in KL, Uh, upgrading skills and attending preaching classes together. So in spite of his uh, seniority, he still is humble enough to come for training. Friends, will you please give him a very warm Penang uh, Trinity welcome. Welcome Good morning.
1: I did not know that your Pastor Ronald was going to do the introduction because I will have told him, don't say so much because the Trinity people know who Hua Jian is. <laughs> but thanks for letting me come and share the word with you this morning. I want to thank the pastor and also the MSF. Um, it's not been easy working at the MSF, but it's always been a joy and a privilege. Um, and so I've set aside the month of October, to make myself available to different churches and share on MSF Sunday. And, um, but I want to say to all of us here that I cannot be just speaking to the people whose memory is slowly fading away, but to all of us. And I hope that what I bring to you is a word of God that will apply to all of us and help all of us to press on in the Lord. But let's go with God in prayer. Father God, we give you thanks. That whether young or old, and no matter how small we are, you love us. No matter how we struggle, you are still watching for us. Because you have chosen to be our God, by making us your people. So help us to know what it means to be your people in this world, in this country, in this city of Benang, and our neighbourhood. I pray that even as I speak and help to proclaim your word, you will help each one of us to draw closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, one of our friends posted something on Facebook. She was actually myf in Taiping about 30 years ago, slightly older than my own children. And she said that um, her husband was taking the daughter to school one day. And her father reminded the little girl to pray for her teachers and for her friends That evening before she go to bed. And the little girl said, Why? We already prayed last night. The father said, Well, as all fathers tend to do, we must pray again every day. Then the little girl answered, God is not old. (laughs) How come you say that? You know if old can forget ma. God never forgets. He's not old. So pray one time good enough already. I just felt that maybe the father should have told the little girl, yeah, we pray not to remind God, but to remind ourselves. We forget. Even little girls do. I have chosen for this month to speak on this passage from Joshua chapter 4 about serving the Lord. It triggered off from having attended the D6 conference, which your church has tried to promote. And, and, but the thing is we have all kinds of tri- discipleship and training program, don't we? And every few years we change, so we, we lose track. But one thing that comes out very clearly is what does it mean to really have discipleship? What does it mean to serve the Lord? And for that reason, I've chosen Joshua chapter 24. We all know the story, but I want us to look at the text more carefully today. And at this point in Joshua 24, it was Joshua's last assembly, where he put none of with the people of Israel. He was about to retire but let me ask you, how old do you think Joshua was at the time he retired, where well, he couldn't be 20 or 40? But was he more like 55, 60, our current retirement age? Or do you think he was older? There's no indication of how old Joshua was, except when he died, 110. All right? But we can read through the Bible and note that Joshua was a contemporary of Caleb, the generation who led the people of Israel in the Promised Land. At the very first battle of the Israelites, after they left Egypt, even before they arrived at Mount Sinai, who was the commander in chief? Joshua. So he couldn't be 20, 25, right? 30? 40? Let's play safe and say he was about 40 years old. We don't know. He was 40 years old at the time of Exodus, and they went through the wilderness for how many years? 40 years. By the time they arrived at River Jordan, he has to be at least 80 years old. Then if they take another 10 years to conquer the Promised Land, it makes it 90. I suspect he was closer to 100 years old at that time. Any of you close to 100 now? None of us is. OK. But what did he say when Jesus' retirement? He said, as for me and my house, we will continue to serve the Lord. He was old. He was tired after all these years. He was more than happy. He would be more than happy to sit in his garden and wait for the durian to drop, of the rabbit time to ripen, right? He was not. He continued to serve the Lord. He wanted to remind the people of their duty and their allegiance to their God, that saved them, rescued them, to give them the land that the Father promised. If you read through Joshua, Chapter 24, and I ask that you keep your Bibles open the passage. Um, from verses 1 to 13, Joshua reminded the people what it means to serve the God, why they must serve the Lord, their God, Yahweh. The Lord had fulfilled all the promises made to their forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord had redeemed them out of slavery in Egypt, Through his servant Moses, the Lord had made them his own special governing people, as very clearly indicated in Exodus chapter 19. He had guarded them, provided for them, and fed them with what they need throughout the 40 years in the wilderness. And he had brought them into the promised land. In spite of the fact that throughout all these 40 years, they were what? moaning and grumbling. Like our little children, we take them to the beach and, are we there yet? Are we there yet? The car is so hot. They are just complaining, little kids. And yet, God had been faithful because God was faithful. So in the light of all that God had done for them, Joshua called upon his people to remember to serve the Lord. And again, if you go to the passage, just the verses 14 to 24, the word "serve" appears 14 times in 11 verses. If you are using NIV, unfortunately, there is one place where NIV uses the word "worship," but it's actually the same word. Okay, pay attention when you use the NIV. In the same passage, they translate the same word different ways, which were. Not helpful at all. It was a very clear emphasis to remind the people that they must serve the Lord and to take this plan seriously. And in fact, the word serve in verses 14 and 15, two verses, appeared seven times. With that, count that, right? Seven times in two verses, the people are to serve the Lord, would were to serve the Lord. And then what, and you read the rest of the passage, they make that pledge. They declare the promise. Make that commitment three times in verse 18, 21, and 24. And each time Joshua challenged them, you know what that means or not? And they must be careful about making their pledge. You look at verses 16 to 18, the people affirm that they knew God has been good to them and so they will serve the Lord and not serve anything else. Far be it from us. Today is no way we will serve other gods. No way. But Joshua reminded them that they would be punished if they don't do that because God is a holy God and a jealous God. That is to say, God will not tolerate any rival. You are not supposed to serve any other gods. But then again, in verse 21, they affirmed their commitment. Finally, Joshua reminded them that they were being witnesses against themselves. Because the whole assembly, everybody who said yes, would be witnesses against themselves, right? But it was a unanimous commitment as far as they were concerned. So at the end of all the that, Joshua made another covenant with them, a renewal covenant, as it were, to that they would serve the Lord, and they made that pledge, and then Joshua said, Okay, you can go home, I can go home and retire. Actually, in verse 29, you look at look at that. Joshua was declared a servant of the Lord. Who in the Bible is called a servant of God? Moses. So now, when Joshua had completed the task he was given to do, he was also declared a servant of the Lord. And, that, and we know that also because in, he made that pledge in verse 15. As for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will continue to serve the Lord. So are any of us thinking of retiring from service? But what does it mean to serve the Lord? The Israelites pledge to serve the Lord. As I mentioned earlier, you will find that the word serve and the word worship in the Old Testament use the same word. Same root word. And you might want to know that actually it's the same root word have the word Abdul, Abdullah. Abdullah means what? Servant of Allah. Servant of God. Abdul is serve. Right? It's the same word. And what we find, therefore, is that when we think of the word worship, we are here in the worship service, right? We use the word worship service, all right? We think of coming to church on Sunday and spend the one-half half, half hours worshipping God, coming with our family, with our fellow members and Christians. That's worship. Well, our daily devotion is worship, whether how, no matter how long it is, okay? But when we use the word serve, it's a different sense, isn't it? When we serve the Lord, we will think of being God's servants, and that would require the whole of our lives, not something that we do occasionally or once a month or once or twice a month. Then when we realize that worship and serve are the same thing, we know that if we are going to serve God, we've got to worship Him. When we worship God, we are to serve Him wholeheartedly, completely. And that's why the Greek commandment is what? You shall serve the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. Isn't it? It's complete. But what else does that mean? What does it mean to serve? When we look at this text, again, we will see another word that we need to pay attention to, and that is in verse 24. What does to serve God mean? The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey Him. Obey Him. And serving God means to obey Him, and that means to listen to Him, and not just hear His commandments, but to listen to His commandments, follow His instructions, and do what He wants us to do. So to sum up, for the people to serve the Lord, they got to realize that they have been redeemed out of slavery. They have been made a special people of God. And so they are now to serve Him and worship Him as the one true God and no other. And they are to serve Him wholeheartedly and obey Him because they are not just His people, not just his children, but they are also his servants to obey him and to do his will. Let's now go back to the text and see whether the Israelites did that. We all know from the Old Testament that the Israelites fell miserably again and again, not just during the 40 years of wilderness, but part of the, the rest of the Old Testament history. And you already have already has given a hint of this in this text. In Joshua 20, 24, look at verse 31 now. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him, the first generation, who had experienced everything the Lord had done for them. What is implied in this verse? They no longer served the Lord after that. And that's clearly stated in Joshua in Judges chapter 2. And now, as you go back and read through Judges after reading Joshua, and that had to be one of the saddest books in the whole Bible. Again, again, and again, they failed God. God saved them. They call upon God for help, and God reached out to save them again. And after a little while, they turn back to the old ways again. But in fact, Even in this text itself, we get a hint of that. We notice something that should be rather startling or surprising or scary to us. Look at verses 14 and 15 again. Look at it carefully. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your, for, your forefathers' worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Throw away the gods your forefathers' worship beyond the river. In the Old Testament, when the expression beyond the river, where does that refer to? Euphrates, up in Haran and Ur, where Abraham came from, where Isaac got his wife from, where Jacob went and served his uncle Laban and married his daughters. They had the gods, the idols from those days. And after so many hundred years of years, they still have these idols. And then what else? They pick up some more from Egypt, isn't it? You know any number of Egypt, ancient Egypt, all kinds of images, all kinds of gods. They still had those idols. Sounds familiar to us Chinese or the Indians? They come from China, they come from India, they still have all the gods and idols they had with them, isn't it? Look at verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods or your forefathers serve beyond the river, Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. They now come to the promised land. The Amorites have been destroyed by the Israelites because Israel's God helped them to destroy these people. Their gods were not powerful enough against the God of Israel. And they are challenged. Are you going to serve those gods? It's scary how we follow all these practices, how people follow all these practices. I hope, how many of you are from City one may I ask? Okay, never mind, I'm not trying to embarrass you. But you know that City A one was started and founded by Christians from Fujian province, right? But you go around City one now, there's so many temples, You go to the cemetery, the older cemeteries, even Christian cemeteries, you see papers and candles and all kinds of things. Because we picked up gods. Some from the ancient days, some we picked up from Malaysia, all the Tatos and Tokong and, and all that. They're all just local gods. What we have is the people never got rid of these idols, Pick up new idols. Should we have been surprised that right after Exodus, right after they they crossed the Red Sea and Mount Sinai, they make the golden calves? This is the sad story that we read in the Bible. The question now we need to ask ourselves is, what about us? Are we that different from the Israelites? We all know, all of us here know, that we have been redeemed by God through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's only son. He died on the cross and suffered pain and rejection, not just by the people, but by the Father himself in order that we may be saved. And we know that eternal life through him because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And then we are reminded that we have been made a special chosen people. The old Israel is no more, the new Israel is here, and 1 Peter chapter 2 reminds us that we are God's chosen people, a holy nation, declaring His praises to the nations around us, as the Israelites should have been. And now we are to serve Him, to worship Him, and to obey Him wholeheartedly. Do we? Joshua told the people, you can't serve the Lord. We know we can't, or not our own strength. Not unless we depend wholeheartedly on God, and that's why we must listen to Him. When we became baptized, when when we are baptized, or when when we are received into the church, whether by baptism or confirmation, we make a pledge to reject all our earthly desires and to follow God. Every time during the Holy Communion, we go to the prayers, not just a purely exercise. Please remember that. It's a reminder for us. We forget. So we need to be reminded of what Jesus Christ has done and why we must renew our commitment to Him. And once a year, during the covenant service, Lord, I'm no longer my own. Really? We all try to say that we a clear conscience, wondering whether we can do that. Put me to what you will. Give me everything or give me nothing. Give me everything, yes. Give me nothing. I'm not so sure a lot. We all struggle with that, but we've got to make that pledge, isn't it? To remind ourselves we need God's help. So the question that we need to ask Ourselves today, not I ask you, but each of us must ask ourselves Have we put away all the idols of our hearts? Whether it be money or power or ambition or success? Do we live to eat or eat to live? Have we put away the idols of examination results? whether the young people who are facing exams right now, or whether as parents that try to make our children do the best they can, 99 marks is never good enough. I have met parents like that. Every, every grade on the report card must be A, or if that's A+, plus, must be A+, plus or A+. plus. Anything less is not good enough. Or is there something in our own culture, whether it's Chinese or Indians, or whatever race or background you come from? Do we, when our children get married, do we expect dowry? My daughter married a Punjabi Christian. So we joke. Who gives the dowry? (laughs) The Chinese is a... Boy side that give the dowry, for those are the Indian subcontinent or South Asia, is the girl side that give the diary. So a Chinese girl marry a Punjabi, who gives the diary? We all joke about it, laugh. No diary la. But some Chinese families to expect that. And all kinds of cultural things. So, okay, we need to be careful. Are we allowing the Word of God to renew and transform our minds, our thinking? We declare that we are the people of God. But what does this mean in real life? Does this make a difference for us and for our families in in relationship to the rest of the world? In relationship to our understanding of Malaysia? We are to live as light as thought wherever we are. We are to bring God's love and God's reconciliation to the people around us. We got to remember this. All those people around us, if they do not know the gospel of Jesus Christ, if if they do not know the forgiveness available through the blood of Jesus Christ, if they do not know that God loves them no matter how they are, who they are, what they are, if they do not know that, they are headed towards damnation for eternity. We don't go around telling everybody that, of course, but if it's something on our hearts and minds that that's how we must function, how to be salt and light and witnesses for Jesus Christ where we are. You see, one of the problems is this many of us have an incomplete understanding of what it means to be Christians in this world we know that we've been redeemed we know we've been saved we know that we are the people of god but do we see ourselves as god's servants we worship god do we serve god and obey him in everything we come to church to worship we volunteer our services whether it's liturgies or as pianists? Is it really volunteer? Can I do it when I feel like it and not do it when I don't feel like it? Yeah, but pastor, only full-time workers, pastors, missionaries are servants of God. I'm a Christian. I'm sorry that's not what the Bible teaches us. Every one of us is a servant of God. I just found out from Kohwat that he's been president of MSF since 2004. There's two cycles of Sabbath that he missed. No? Although he, take, he did have a break once, I understand. Okay. In fact, the present MSF board are all waiting for somebody else to take over because, including me, was a, I was appointed to be director in 2006. we right? Been waiting for somebody else to take over, so he can take, Retire? No, not really. People like Gok Hwan don't know how to retire. He's still involved in many other things. So, but he needs somebody, the MSM needs somebody to take over so that Gok Hwan can move on to some other things that God has given him to do. Because we are to serve God and we will serve the Lord all the days of our lives. As long as we have bread. Joshua and his household and his family chose to serve the Lord and that's because everyone everyone of the Israelites were called to serve the Lord and they planned to do that and so we too must learn this but unfortunately Joshua's generation passed on and the people did not serve the Lord why? because they did not pass on the knowledge and understanding of what their God is like to the future generations, to the generations after them. And this is something that we must never forget. Some of us may have been serving the Lord faithfully, quietly, without people knowing it. But the thing is, we cannot just think of serving God ourselves only, but must pass the information, the knowledge, the commitment to the following generations. Joshua did that because he remembered the word of God. You remember in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, God said, do not let the book of the law pass from your mouth. But again, you've got to remember, it goes back to Deuteronomy. And therefore, to look at the call to worship that you just read just now. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6. Chapter 3 starts off with, Hear, O Israel. These are the things you must remember. Then verse 4 starts with, Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And the whole section is the creed for the Hebrew, for the Jews. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 is the very first verse that a Hebrew child hears as soon as he or she enters the world. When the baby was born, those around the baby will say, this, Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And as you read through that, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And Jesus reminded the people then. That's why He's mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it's important for us to remember that we must not just listen and follow, but pass it on to our children. And it goes on to tell us how we are to do that. You live it out, and then you share this knowledge of the word of God with your children. And this is something I must emphasize again and again. Whether you're a grandparent or great-grandparent, you need to share the word of God with younger people. Whether your father, or mother, or hoping to be father or mother one day? Share the word of God with the p- young people around you, children around you. If you are not married, don't have children, that are plenty of children around in the church in your neighbourhood. Always look out for small children and adopt them, make friends with them. They need attention. They need people that they can look up to. They need people that they're comfortable with. Spend time with them. Get to know them. Show them you're really, really interested in, in them. Then they will listen to you. And then in your teaching, you don't have to say, This is what the Bible says. You say, This is God, what God is like. God loves you. And this is what God wants us to do. And share with them the Word of God. Help them to know that. So that every generation, all the young children will grow up knowing the Word of God. So that when they grow up, they have their children their own. They will teach their children this. Truth, so that they will know God. Friends, remember this. So whether you're young or whether you're old, live out the word of God every day of your life so that other people will see that. And then when they ask you, how come you live like that? Huh? How come you do these things? Huh? They say, because I know God loves me. And I want to live like him, to show his love to others. And that's what it means to serve the Lord. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. Or should I say, you don't need need to be a bishop to do that. I I had to remind one lady in the MSF camp, from a small town in a small church, what can I do? I look at all these speakers, all the examples that speakers give. I'll never be like them. But you read the Bible. If you do what God has given you to do and do it with faithfulness, that is what God wants you to do, and you have already got your 100 marks. Okay. God is perfectly fair. It's not what status you have, but what you do in obedience to His word, and he, he would be say to you, "Welcome, well done, good and faithful servant." This is what God wants for each of us. Let me close with one other reference: Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-one and twenty-two. Paul was in prison. Philippians chapter one verses 21 and 22. He knew that he was going to die. He won't last much longer. But what does he say? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For those of us who are worried about death, remember this, to die is gain. When you die, when I die, we put away all our pains and headaches and uh, cataracts, we will be with Christ forever. Nothing can be better. But Paul goes on to say, but if I go on living in the body, because if he no longer lives in the body, he lives in heaven. But if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. In other words, Paul was saying, as long as I live, As long as I breath, I will serve the Lord. Can all of us say that? I hope so. The whole of our lives belong to God. My recreation time belongs to God. My eating time also belongs to God. Think about that. (laughs) So we must live in such a way to show That God is in the center of all our relationships. And then we want to share this knowledge, this love with the people around us. And then we must also remind ourselves that God has put us in this country called Malaysia. This is the only country many of us know. Some of us live in many other countries, but God brought us here for a purpose, through good times and bad times. The purpose is so that we may glorify His name. And we are His servants here too. I know we have all suffered disadvantage, abuse even. But remember that our hope is in the Lord our God, not on earth, not on our status, not on how comfortable our life is, we too must learn to live in thanksgiving and praise to God our country. Yeah, but you think the new Malaysia looks like the new old Malaysia more and more? At least the... I'm mean being bad, huh? <laughs> the PH looks more like BN, more and more. Penang is still having all the problems with the what, landslides and all the development. Is the government listening? I don't know. But whatever the case, we are here as God's witnesses. So thank God that He has brought us here. Thank God He has chosen to make us His people. And He's watching over us whether young or old. Thank God that we are still able to serve Him by being His witnesses. Whether your memory is slowly fading or faded, or whether you hope to enjoy the life and grow up and serve the Lord. Remember, serve Him all the days of your life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and love, for all that you've done for us. We can never count the blessings you pour upon us, but we are thankful because you are good. Help us then to live our life in such a way that demonstrate to our children our children's children and all the people around us that you are a good God. Help us to live in such a way that the people around us in our neighborhood in Penang in Malaysia will see us and know that you are a good God and that all the glory may be returned to you. But more importantly, that the people around us may find out for themselves that you are a good God and learn to serve you, love you, and find their joy and their hope and salvation in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.